Hey there, I am Anna Michelle Gomo and you are welcome to the podcast. This is a safe space where I get to talk about God and how we can build our relationship with Him. On each episode, we'll be diving below the surface of the Bible to encounter God and grow. Currently, we are on a 365-day Bible challenge and it has been fantastic so far. And so I invite you to join us today because God has a word for you, but it is up to you to listen. So please stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Floodcast. Today is day 136 of our Bible in Year Challenge and you are welcome back once again. We will be continuing our readings, taking readings from the books of 2 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, as well as praying along with Psalms. First of all, I'm just going to rant a little bit before we dive in. I am just so excited today. I, I really cannot pinpoint why, but I feel like it's the fact that I'm beginning to realize how much or how far we've gone. Like, I'm saying day 136 and it just does not feel real. Like, it doesn't feel like I have released 136 episodes in this challenge because it seems so impossible from day one. I know I've said this before, but I am just so glad that I get to do this with you guys. I am so, 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 so thankful to God for you guys, my listeners, that always keep me um, consistent every single time I want to fall back and just relent. I'm glad that I get to share the word of God with so many people. I'm glad I get to have guests talk about the Bible. Like, everything is just so amazing. Like, I thank God for this podcast i thank god for you guys and i thank god for my life anyways now that that's over with we are moving in continuing from our story from yesterday so after the whole civil war between david and absalom um absalom was killed and in today's readings you have david mourning the death of his son because he loved his son so much he he would have preferred to have died instead of absalom and while we can see this as a very beautiful scenario you know a father wanting his unrepentant child to come back to him we can also see this as one of the weaknesses of david because what this does is that you have like twenty thousand armies that fought for david to die in the civil war and then after the victory i mean you would think that the people the soldiers would be excited i mean they just prevented King David and his entire family from being wiped out and you have them returning to David and finding him in tears finding him mourning of course that would have taken a very hard toll on their feelings and the bible mentioned that they stole into the city like people that run away from a battle and then you have Joab Joab is my guy I don't care your opinions about him i feel like i would really love joab if i got to meet him personally he he says things and does things as it is and so you have joab coming to tell david like what are you doing why are you weeping these people just saved your life and saved the lives of your children like you're weeping over absalom but then you still have other sons and other daughters that probably would have been dead if absalom was alive and what really you're trying to tell is that it's, you would have preferred that we all died than for Absalom to have died. So like you, if you if you want your armies and your soldiers to remain with you, you better go and do something to hype them up, you know? And David does that. He goes and sits by the gate. I don't think he says any speech or thank, thank you speech. Like that is not recorded, but 
I think I see myself in this and I see, I'm pretty sure you might see yourself in this as well because sometimes we act like David. Sometimes we get so attached to things that when we lose them, we, we tend to forget or we tend to neglect and ignore all of the other things that are going well for us. And I see this sometimes as when God takes us from a situation or takes things that are harmful to us away from us, we, we are too short-blinded to notice that what is going on is that God is taking something harmful away from us. And then we begin to mourn that thing while not observing the fact that that thing would have killed us or that thing would have been so harmful, it would have destroyed us entirely. Sometimes we act like David when God takes some certain people away from our lives or does not give us some things that we ask for in prayer or denies us of certain desires and certain needs or wants. We act like David when we mourn over them and we don't look at the good side of things. We don't look at why God denied us those things or why God removed some things from our lives. I feel like this is a wake-up call that we need to realize while we're walking with God as Christians that nothing in our life happens as a coincidence. Nothing happens by chance. Nothing just happens spontaneously. There is a reason to every single thing that happens in our lives, especially as Christians. Like God is so intentional about his desires and his will for us. And we have to trust that. We have to trust him. And we have to understand that while some certain things might feel very painful, you know, to get denied or can feel very painful to move on from, it is God's will. And God's will is what it would be best for us. I think that's the way I can see that in the end, God loves us so much that we, that we can never imagine. He probably, he does love us more than we love ourselves. And what might seem as a failure, what might seem as a backset, what might seem as a disappointment might actually be God's grace and God's mercy and God's protection. And when we weep and mourn over things that we lose that were supposed to be harming us, we act very stupid like David. We make a very dumb decision, weeping over something that we should be glad about. And so today we ask for the grace and the power and the help of the Holy Spirit to help us accept things that come to us as God's will, uh, regardless of how painful it might be. Anyways, moving on, David is coming back to Israel, but he doesn't just come back on his own. He doesn't just want to come back and be king. I mean, these people rejected him as king in the first place and took sides with his son Absalom. So he sends word to them like, do you still want me to be your king? Should I come back? Should I return back? And yes, it's obviously, they, obviously they want David to come back. I mean, they re realize their mistake and then they ask David to come back. And so you have like this very, I find, I, I'll call it a very funny scene. Like you have David coming to meet all these people that betrayed him or denied him. First of all, is this Shimei guy, the same Benjamite guy that was stoning David, hurling curses and insults at him comes and begs him and here we see a very good side of David I think we've been seeing the side of David over and over again that David is very very forgiven like he is not your regular kind of king or regular kind of leader that would want to repay back evil for evil or would want to kill all of his opponents and oppositions he is a very forgiving king and leader and he forgives Shimei 
And then one thing I also like to talk about lastly in this reading from Second Samuel is the fact that we're seeing a glimpse into what is going to happen in the future in terms of the politics and the leadership of the Israelites because there is this argument and division, a very, very slight division between the people of Judah and the people of Israel. So the people of Judah welcome back David as their king and then you have the people of Israel um, arguing like, why did you guys leave us out of that? Like, why did you not include us? Like, we were the first people to even talk about bringing David back. And then it, there, there was a little bit of bickering here and there, but what happens is that we're seeing a glimpse of what is going to happen because in the future, quick disclaimer, after the death of King Solomon, the nation of Israel is going to be divided. So you're going to have the people of Judah down south, which is just two tribes. And then you're going to have the people of Israel, which is the remaining 10 tribes. And yeah, that is something that we should be looking forward to, unfortunately. And just a quick glimpse into First Chronicles. I feel like we've been leaving a lot out of First Chronicles. And we've just been seeing a lot of the names. And for some people, that might seem very abstract. Like, what exactly am I getting from these names? Well, first of all, the chronicler, the person writing the book of Chronicles, wants to note two things. So first of all, I think it's a preposition or it's an insight into the Messiah that they are expecting, the King of Kings, the one who is going to save them from their oppressors. And which is why one of the major genealogy, we've been seeing a lot of genealogies when it um, concerns the sons of Jacob, so, sorry, the sons of Israel. Yeah, Jacob. Yeah, Jacob is also known as Israel. The sons of Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, which makes up the 12 tribes of Israel. So we're going to be seeing, or we've been seeing a lot of genealogies from those 12 sons. But one of the major focuses has been on two tribes. The first is the tribe of Judah, because this is a tribe of David. And this is also the tribe that has been prophesied that the Messiah would come from. That is Jesus, because Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. So the second tribe is the tribe of Levi, which is the priesthood tribe. And so much attention is given to this tribe because one of the main aims and the main focus of the writer of the first and second book of Chronicles is that he or she, probably he, is trying to highlight the correct way of worship, how true worship should be done. Because the book of first and second Chronicles was written at a time after the Israelites were returning back from exile in Babylon. And so they were literally starting from scratch, you know, trying to rebuild their cities, trying to rebuild the temple, trying to relearn everything that they forgot about God, pretty much. And so today we're looking at the genealogy of the Levites, the priesthood tribe. But one thing I'd like to mention real quick is that sometimes, I mean, we've seen it a couple of times, if you've been observant enough, where it was mentioned that David wore an effort and David offered sacrifices to God. And so, I mean, we might ask, is David a priest? Because as much as we know, the effort is a priestly garment only worn by the high priest. And so what, what does it mean when we when it is said that David wore an effort. So no, I don't, David is not a priest. I mean, when we're talking about it logically because he is not from the tribe of Levi. But I, I think I've heard it somewhere where it said that David is a priest um, according to the Melchizedek, right? Or according to the line of Melchizedek, some, something like that, I don't know. But yeah, David is not a priest, but what happens like when we hear that David wears an effort and offers sacrifices that there is, should I say, a premonition 
of Jesus because David is a king and also, you know, kind of participates in carrying out these holy offerings and these rituals and sacrifices. And then you have Jesus, the true king, the king of kings, the Messiah, who is the fulfillment of kingship of the Israelites and the whole world. And he is also the high priest because he offers the final, the most important and the highest sacrifice. You know, so I think there is that premonition, there is that connection between David, the king, and um, participating in priestly offerings, and also Jesus, who is king and who is the high priest. So I, I hope that makes sense to an extent. Anyways, thank you guys for listening this far, and I hope to see you guys in the next episode, same time, same place. Please have an amazing day.